Good morning, and welcome to the Sacred Heart Hour on this St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. This is a special edition of today's Sacred Heart Hour because we are not on the first Friday of the month, but rather we are in the month of June. The entirety of this month is dedicated to the Sacred Heart. So every Friday, we are bringing you the Sacred Heart Hour here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Today, this is Father Stosh Daly, and I'm joined by Bill Messerly and Emily Jaminet on this special edition of the Sacred Heart Hour. As we enter into this hour where we meditate upon and delve deep into the mysteries of God's love in the Sacred Heart of Jesus, we invite you to join us as we begin this special Sacred Heart Hour on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio with the daily morning offering prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you all my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day, in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our bishops and of all apostles of prayer, and in particular for those recommended by our Holy Father this month. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bill and Emily, how are you? Good, good, good. You're, you've been a time traveler, it sounds like. Here, there, back and forth, all over. <laughs> but Bill, a special thank you to you and St. Gabriel Catholic Radio for having this uh, special edition of the Sacred Heart Hour on this Friday. You know, we're normally um, here uh, on the first Friday of the month, as the first Friday is such a special day designated to venerating and drawing close to the Lord's Sacred Heart, making that act of reparation by attending Holy Mass, uh, receiving our Lord in Holy Communion, and then giving all those graces up in reparation for sins committed against the Sacred Heart. But in this month of June, you've invited us to have a special hour every Friday uh, for the Sacred Heart Hour, and uh, thank you for that. It gives us an opportunity to uh, uh, gift or bother or annoy our <laughs> listeners, depending on their disposition. <laughs> They're like, that priest is back. <laughs> No, but thank you for that. That's a great gift to spend another uh, Friday meditating upon the Sacred Heart. It's amazing. And and, and if you're listening now and would uh, like to share your comments about the Sacred Heart Hour during June, let us know. We have gotten some feedback that has been life-changing for a few people, and we want to make sure that today is the same, that we continue to encourage you to bring the loving heart of Jesus into your home through enthronement at welcomeisheart.com. Absolutely. And Emily... It's good that you're back. <laughs> good morning. June, you know, June is such a special month. It's another month of transition for a lot of people, you know, as school is closing and ending for the school year and, and taking on, you know, the, the ordinary time is around the corner. And so really, I'm just so honored and excited that we get an entire month, not just one day. The great feast of the Sacred Heart is wonderful, but an entire month to meditate on the Lord and his, his perfect heart and the love that he has to offer us and, and really the conversion, the opportunity for conversion. So I'm, I'm so honored to be here and just to see and, and give others hope that, you know, there is, there is perfect love and we know what it looks yeah. like. You know, just, um, in going here and there driving, you know, even just driving to the studio this morning, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but it was actually nice to see 
um, gridlock on the freeway. <laughs> so I, was like, I was like, the people are back. Now get out of my way. <laughs> so, so I'm going to be at the radio station. I'm so glad things are coming back to normal. But no, seriously, get out of my way. I need to get to Henderson Road. I'm already 10 minutes late. So love you lots. Move over. Uh, <laughs> but there is that sense of joy. Like, okay, things are starting to come back mm-hmm. to normal. But then as we, you know, as we go into the summer months and, you know, Everything naturally is supposed to kind of kind of calm down in one way, uh, but then families are given the opportunity, friends are given the opportunity, neighbors are given the opportunity to just kind of meet each other at the fence while cutting grass or planting flowers or mulching the bed or running errands, you know. And uh, in the midst of all of that, the church kind of looks at us as our mother and says, well, you know, while everything's kind of calming down, you get to enjoy the summer, I'm going to throw at you this huge experience of grace and joy. And that's the sacred heart of Jesus. So there's this opportunity given to us to kind of like dial back and kind of uh, soak up the love and the presence and the companionship of our family and friends, but at the same time, not dial back the faith, but rather dial it up, you know, to go deeper into the faith. And Maybe as, you know, friends and family return home from school, college, you know, they move back in, um, that's an opportunity to kind of just circle the wagons, if you want, and just say, let's just go back to what's really, really important here, the Lord, the Lord's sacred heart. And like you said, Emily, we have the whole month of June. I mean, it's not just the first Friday of June or then the Feast of the Sacred Heart, which is you know, in June, but it's the whole month. And, you know, I, I remember my hero, um, St. John Paul II, he grew up in Poland, but then even as Pope, um, he would pray the litany of the Sacred Heart every day in June, either saying it or singing it. And it was just that custom that was so deeply ingrained in him by his family, by his parents, that it's like, okay, month of May, Mary, month of June, Sacred Heart. There's a rhythm to the calendar, you know? And to our listeners, it's like that rhythm is also available to you, so that every day of the month of June, you get to meditate upon the heart of Jesus. And of course, the question arises on the part of many, through no fault of their own, but Okay, you know, I hear this priest, I hear these people on St. Gabriel speaking about the sacred heart of Jesus, but what is, what's the sacred heart, you know? Why not the holy face? Why not the holy head? Why not the holy hands? What is the sacred heart of Jesus? And um, I think that's a very good, it's a very good, it's a very necessary question. What is the sacred heart? And, the you know, the three of us uh, work with humanity each in a very different way. You know, built through St. Gabriel Radio, Catholic uh, technology, Catholic media. Emily, you do it through the Enthronement Network. You get questions from all over. Both of you get questions from all over. And, I mean, what in your estimation, in your words, you know, how do you answer that question? Like if someone say, well, what is the Sacred Heart? And not necessarily the devotion, but actually like the phrase. You know, what is that phrase referring to, the Sacred Heart of Jesus? You know, and each of us answers the question differently to a different multitude of humanity. But, you know, should you hear that question, how do you uh, offer a response and answer? What is the sacred well, heart? Well, I, I also dial it back a little bit more into my vocation. You know, as a lay women, woman, as a wife and as a mother, I, I would say it's an essential devotion for the lady because it is the essence of who Jesus is. It's, it's the embodiment of his love that is... He's handing to us literally outside of his body, and it's a personal invitation for each one of us to respond to his love 
in the complete form as a Catholic. So meaning everything about the Sacred Heart affirms, you know, the Holy Eucharist, affirms the sacrament, it affirms even, you know, the love that he has for his mother. It all comes forth from his heart. And in, and really for me, um, I cannot give what I do not have. Yeah. And that baseline is if I do not have the love of the Sacred Heart, I cannot get up in the morning to serve, you know, at a level in which sometimes it's daunting. Sometimes it's totally overwhelming when I look at, you know, the four kids that are working and the one kid that's at camp and I'm trying to get my work done and the needs of all of seven children or or maybe the needs of, of no children, whatever that is. But the essence is I cannot love without the heart of Jesus because what we want is what many of the saints say is, Please give a tiny, give me one cell of your heart, Jesus, into my heart, right? Yeah. Padre Pio talks yeah. about that. Many of the saints talk about St. Margaret Mary. Alico talks about they just wanted a tiny heart transplant. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm praying every day I get mine. <laughs> it's kind of like you can't love without being first loved. So you have to turn towards the heart of Jesus and allow yourself to be loved. And there's no one that prevents you from receiving love except for yourself. Mm-hmm. And then once you are loved... Then you can turn and then love those in front of you. Uh, like you said, you can't get what you don't have. I was going to say that it was my answer. Oh. No. <laughs> See, your guardian angel threw you under the holy stops bus. <laughs> no, but for me, the sacred heart, the image of the sacred heart is so important as a reminder to be able to look on mm. um, not only the heart of Christ as it, um, as it flows forth, the mercy to us, uh, the the water that washes us, and the blood that makes us new, but the face of Jesus. I know that when I pray in in front of the image, that that's usually at least now in my prayers the last you know few nights, that's what cat- catches my attention. Is that you know Moses was not able to even see the face of God. He was yeah. not able e- even able to yeah. put his his uh, sandals in the presence of God, and yet God became man right and that he had a face and that he had feelings and he had hands and those hands because he loved us were freely pierced for us so for me the visual reminder is so important Mm. and i think it it's important for us to kind of re um rediscover veneration of of god and the glory of god and honor of god and um the image of my home helps me do that yeah and i think you know something important for us is when we consider the depth of God's love for us, I don't know that there's any single person alive who would deny in principle that there's a higher being, a higher person, you know, a higher reality that loves us, you know, or could love us or would love us. Um, but when you start getting into the reality of, but God loved us so much that he took flesh, like that he actually came down to be one of us. He took upon himself human nature. And that right there is powerful and beautiful, but it's also, um, it rightfully so fills us with wonder and awe and amazement. But then also that point of just, I need to stop and reflect and consider this, because that's what we Catholic Christians celebrate in the Sacred Heart when we go to Holy Mass and receive Jesus in Holy Communion. 
And, you know, there's all these different surveys and responses and polls out there, and they're all saying, you know, uh, seven out of ten Catholics don't believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And it's like, to me, as a as just a simple priest of Jesus in the church, it's like, so that's saying that, okay, if they called ten people and seven of the ten people with whom they spoke said, well, I don't, I don't believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, that means that's seven out of ten people who say, I don't believe God loves me enough to take flesh. Mm. That means there's seven out of ten people who say, well, I don't really believe Jesus was born at Bethlehem. I don't believe he was carried in the womb by Mary. I don't believe that he was, you know, he got lost and was found in the temple. I don't believe that he died on the cross. And because it's when you look at the logic of divine love, it's all one statement. You know, there's a beginning and there's an end, and it's all of this unfolding of a drama of divine love. And that's oftentimes like when someone brings the sacred heart of Jesus into their home, and things start getting turned around, moved across the you know the floor, and they're like, "Father, I thought there was going to be peace." You know, it's like, "Well, <laughs> definitely, hon, there's going to be peace, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be moving the furniture around. <laughs> he's going after those dust bunnies, you know. <laughs> he's going into those closets that you thought you you know bolted shut and put a piece of furniture over. No, there the peace will be there, but it's not a piece of this world. And the thing is, like the Sacred Heart should never be reduced to a superstitious practice." <laughs> It's a doorway through which we pass so as to receive the presence, to receive the person of God in the flesh, the Lord. And that's why, you know, when you bring the sacred heart of Jesus into your home, into your life, into your heart, there's going to be this hunger for more. And the Lord satisfies satisfies the hunger by giving us himself in the Holy Eucharist. And, I mean, we have, um, I would say, like a very, very open audience in those who adore the Lord. And adoration, and those who are the daily mass goers, and those who understand it is the Lord's Day, it is Sunday. I want to be at Mass to hear the words of everlasting life in the gospel and to receive Jesus. The people who are there, it's like, okay, now bring the Lord into your home, you know, so that you can make yourself um, open to and available to the promises He gives. He does not want to be left at the church, He wants to dwell with you and among you in your home. And then for those who bring the sacred heart into their home, it's like, okay, now understand that that image of the heart is like that portal, that doorway through which you can pass so as to receive the entirety of his personhood, uh, the reality of his presence in the Holy Eucharist. And that beautiful connection, you know, if we could drive home that to uh, even just one person today, the powerful connection of you know, our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives himself to us in this beautiful image of his heart that is rendered unto us vulnerable, uh, exposed, noticeable, visible, but then the heart that is also present among us in every tabernacle of every church of the world, and to be able to draw close to him in the Holy Eucharist, you know? And that I think, you know, to see the connection between the Sacred Heart and the Holy Eucharist that's what helps us understand why the feast is on a Friday. Uh, because when the Lord appeared to St. Margaret Mary, you know, he, Jesus is the one who said, on this particular Friday, I want the Feast of the Sacred Heart to be celebrated throughout the whole church. And we're like, still to this day, 2021, it's like, so why is it on this random Friday? <laughs> well, you have to keep in mind that when the Lord appeared to St. Margaret Mary, Corpus Christi, the solemnity of the body of Jesus, the Holy Eucharist, was celebrated on the 9th Thursday after Holy Thursday. So on the ninth Thursday after Holy Thursday, so after the Sacred Triduum, you know, after Easter on that, the ninth Thursday, 
Corpus Christi was celebrated. And so great, so amazing is the gift of our Lord Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. So precious is the reality of the Mass that at that time, Corpus Christi had an octave. It was celebrated for eight days. So from the ninth Thursday after Holy Thursday to the tenth Thursday. A whole week, the whole church would celebrate eight days of the gift of Jesus in the Eucharist. And then the Lord said, the very next day, on that Friday, is when I want you to celebrate the Feast of My Sacred Heart. I didn't know that. The reality wow. of my whole presence. So that's why we have like this Feast of the Sacred Heart kind of like floating in June on this random Friday. And everyone's like, you Catholics, you just like throw a dart <laughs> at the board. And it's like, we're going to celebrate on this day. And it's like, uh, no. Well, it's interesting you say that because it's 19 days after Pentecost. Yep. And, you know, and yep. that's, I was actually looking, next year's feast is June 24th, I believe. I was looking. Oh, later. I was actually wow, looking yeah. at, because as you said, Father, sometimes. It's early in the month, you know. This year is the eleventh, and the next year, but it's got this formula. So I really like yeah. what you're what you're saying, and you know, as Catholics too, you know, we're so blessed with novenas, right? You mm-hmm. can always yep. that that opportunity to pray the novena if you haven't prayed the novena to the Sacred Heart. You know, you still in this month of June start a novena to the Sacred Absolutely, Heart. You know, yeah. you can incorporate, like Father said, you know, the litany. Like there is still opportunity to connect your heart to his heart. And, you know, as Father was mentioning, the Eucharistic heart of Jesus, you know, it's such a gift. And as a mom with seven children and knowing how hard it is to live out an authentic, integrated faith in the home, I cannot encourage you to do the enthronement enough. And a lot of times people will say, well, this child is suffering and I don't want to offend them and, and make them think that, you know, my Catholicism's, you know, a little too much or, you know, it's like, no, if you have a child that is suffering with faith, rebellion, addiction, um, anger, anger is, mm. is an ever plague yeah. in this society, disobedience, you know, any of these things, even in your marriage, even pornography, any of these things. What you need to do is be running to the heart of Jesus, yeah. not trying to clean your own, you know, your own house like Father was mentioning. Like only with that grace can we receive the graces for our state and life, the peace that he promises us. And as Father mentioned, this is not superstition. This is mm. the gospel coming alive. This is allowing your home to be another Bethany where Jesus happens to pop in the unseen guest at the dinner table and and that that type of thinking is going to hold you accountable to your behavior and it's going to give you the graces that you need and one one simple example is you know when you meditate on the heart of Jesus you see his gash his wound in this past week we were talking with our children about the wound of Christ and you know some of them were like well I, I didn't realize this mom like i i thought it was just I didn't understand his heart. And then we looked up, you know, what that looked like and even the state of the, what the crucifixion, you know, in, to, to another level for our teenagers to take it. Cause this, this reality of, of teaching and passing on the faith, you can always go deeper and deeper and deeper. And yet if you are suffering a wound right now, if you are suffering a pain that you have carried through your entire life, know that his heart is more punctured. His heart is more is a more inflicted. And so he can absorb your pain, your suffering and transform it from right father pain to suffering yeah. that is redemptive with value. Yep. Absolutely. 
I guess what's coming to my mind is uh, lukewarmness. You know, you're talking about pain. I think that yeah. that is um, a pain that um, that is very prevalent if you're lukewarm. And lukewarmness happens by drips that you just keep letting the world or other things drip into your life, and then you not to do anything about it. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you're blah about everything, especially God. And and the great thing about enthronement is that. It recenters you on God. It allows you to begin again, and allows you to begin that pilgrimage again yeah. towards our Lord. You know, I, you brought up that word. I'm so glad you did, because um, this is something I I love to work with people on. Because people will say, "I, how do I know if I, how do I know if I'm lukewarm in my faith?" And I was like, "Oh, that's an excellent question." So let me ask you a question: Why do you go to mass? Because I love our Lord. But for the average person, when they pause. That's the indication they have lukewarmness. Mm, I'm, I'm glad I didn't pause. <laughs> I know. You because, boy, I would have really been out. in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but see, that's just it. Like, you have, if, you know, for the soul that is lukewarm, they don't know why they do what they do. Mm. See, passion, love, zeal, that puts the answer right on the tip of the tongue. Why do you go to Mass? For the Lord. Why do you go to Mass? I need the Lord. Why do you go to Mass? Because I need hope. I need help. I need mercy. You know, they... And I think that's important because a lot of times people think they are defeated when they're actually in the midst of the fight. And it's like, you are not yet defeated. Mm-hmm. You are defeated when you don't know why you do what you do. You know, someone says, well, why did you bring the Sacred Heart in you home? Because I'm not settling for what this world offers. Try that mm-hmm. on for size, you know, <laughs> because you were made for more. You know, with all of the young people that come to happen to see me from OSU or whatever, they'll come and say, uh, it doesn't matter the problem they bring. And it's like, you know, in your faith, in your faith, there's a lukewarmness there. We have to purge you of that. Well, Father, how do you know that I'm lukewarm? Because you don't know that you are made for more than what this world offers. You're stumbling around the dark, you know, or you're walking down high street going from one class to the other, and you don't really know why you're even there, mm. other than you don't want to miss class and fail. That is not a good enough reason to go to class. <laughs> a good enough reason to go to class is because you are made for more you are made for more than what this world offers. And so when you know someone's like, well, how do I know that I can grow in the spiritual life? Well, where are you now? Where's the diagnosis of where are you now? And, well, I don't even know. Okay, so here's the question. Why are you here? Oh, 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 oh yeah. Okay, you, so you're suffering from lukewarmness, you know, because if you, if you had the zeal that you were made to have, if you had that passionate love for the Lord you were made to have, it would be right there on the tip of your tongue. You know, even if you stuttered, even if you had to try to find the right words, you would not allow there to be that awkward pause, you know? And so it's like, if there's a delay, then there's a denial. Don't let there be a delay, you know? There should be on the tip of our tongue because our heart is full of love. So our heart is so full of love that our, on the tip of our tongue, there is a desire to give witness to the Lord. In responding to a question, I'm like, well, why do you go to adoration? You know, why do you go to confession? You know, I mean, and a lot of, it's amazing because a lot of times people will go to mass, go to confession, go to adoration, they'll do the enthronement, and they still have that lukewarmness. And it's like, okay, these are all steps. These are all like uh, stoking the fire of your heart to get back on fire, to become fully alive. And to have that, that uh, desire to give witness and praise the Lord on the tip of your tongue, that just shows, you know, you know you were made for more. And that, that simple phrase, uh, made for more, is something that I find that not only do our college students and our high school students and our junior high students, but also 
our young professionals, our married couples, our families, you know, empty nesters. We all need to remind ourselves we were made for more. And when you see the heart of Jesus in front of you, mm. when you see the heart of Jesus, you realize I was made for more. I was made for that heart. I was made in that heart for that heart. And the heart of Jesus, you know, when we bring the heart of our Lord into our homes, it's supposed to, it's supposed to set us on fire. So like, you know, earlier we referenced Moses and it's like, you see the heart, it's engulfed with the flame of charity, but not consumed or destroyed by it. It's engulfed. It's the burning bush. Um, and we all need that there. And I think, you know, lukewarmness is a very, very dangerous place to be because you just kind of let everything become rote or routine or I just do it because it's my morning routine. You go to the holy sacrifice of the mass where God becomes present on the altar in heaven and earth are united <laughs> because you want to have a morning coffee afterwards. Oh my, you know what follows. <laughs> so I'm not committing a sin. <laughs> so, like, what the what? <laughs> but I mean, there has to be that desire there. And, and I think we saw that because when the mass was taken away, how many of us in our hearts was like, Oh, no, 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 no. I need the Holy Mass. I need the Lord. So it was a good chance. You and know? I, I think it allowed us an opportunity to understand the rhythms and routines of a lot of people that, that don't go to Mass on a consistent basis. And yeah. I think it, yeah. it developed for our family. It gave us a window to see, you know, what, what do we look like in the midst of a pandemic? It's not pretty, people. Home mass is not, <laughs> you know. Actually, ours sudden, was pretty good. Oh, good. Oh, good it for ended you. up pretty good. Good for you. Father Sizemore, <laughs> Father Sizemore was on I that mean, very week during our spirit drive, and he gave some great guidance. And I'm telling you, it was perfect guidance. You still get dressed. You still, you know, like you were going to mass. You have an altar. I can't believe how well ours worked out. Well, our age, but our we, we children, we don't have age, the young you kids. Know, yeah, yeah. Uh, Twenty-one to five, all of us home in that in that house. But what I learned is, you know, the the gift of Sunday morning mass with your family. If for some of our listeners, you know, that might be your greatest obstacle. That might be something yeah, that you're still struggling with. You know, thinking this is an option, and and I can just speak to, you know, consistency builds rhythms, routines, and habits mm. that, that are your baseline, that you, that you, you know, it, it's so ingrained in you and your children that, you know, the words, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord, is your, is your light. It's your ability to, to move forth in, out of that darkness, out of that blah. And, you know, for the enthronement, you know, we're talking about a particular faith experience that happens in the home where somebody in the home proclaims those words from, from Joshua, as for me and my house, we shall mm-hmm. serve the Lord. Yeah. And it's a deeper step than just the Old Testament. It's an awakening of all the scriptures that are inviting us into personal discipleship. Because what we know about lukewarmness is lukewarmness should be a beginning point, not a sustaining point, yeah. that leads us to a place of fervor, of, as Father mentioned, zeal, and even holiness. And so it gives you hope for wherever you are at that you can have this this transformation. And one of the fruits that we see with enthronement is proper sensitivity to the things that are of God. Mm. And one of the greatest witnesses, um, I started asking people, you know, well, what, you know, what are the top 10 reasons to enthrone or why did you enthrone? And uh, a radio host out of Texas yesterday said to me, she said, it's the peace in the home that was our greatest fruit from the enthronement. And that was 10 years ago. And she said, what we have 
started to see is that that's what we cherish the most. So even this morning as I was getting everybody out the door for work and for sports and school and everything, I'm, not school, <laughs> everything else, <laughs> no school. Uh, but, but one of the things I said is we value our peace. So someone came down the stairs very grumpy and uh, I'm like, no, no. The peace of the home is something that we treasure. So if you are going to disrupt that peace, yeah. that's something that's, it's a violation you know, to the kitchen and to yep. our routines. So the Lord wants to give us peace, but we have a, we have a responsibility to preserve that peace and to continue on. And I, I love Father Mateo's, and I used this the last time we were on air on the Sacred Heart, that Father Mateo, who started the the home enthronement in the early 1900s said, I want to implore, so I'm, I want to implore you, the St. Gabriel Radio listeners, uh, to not leave Jesus standing on the doorstep. Bring him yeah, into your home absolutely. with the image. Start with the image. Uh, get it blessed. Go to welcomehisheart.com. Uh, follow the prayers. It's, um, it's a simple process to follow. Uh, but open your heart to Jesus and then make him present every day, like you said, as you were getting everybody ready. That that image was present, and that reminder was present. And we're talking about lukewarmness. You have to be conscious of what's going on. And there's there's a difference between, you know, having an image in your home or going past that image, and then praying um, an aspiration like uh, Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart more like Thine, or something like that. Um, we need to to step out and and be more intentional about our our faith. Absolutely. As we bring to a close this first segment of this special edition of the Sacred Heart Hour, we invite you to join us uh, in just gathering up our intentions, acknowledging our weaknesses and our wounds, but also all of the graces and those victories that have been ours as we turn to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ and we pray, Most Holy Heart of Jesus, fountain of every blessing, we love you, we adore you, and we offer you these poor hearts of ours. Make us humble, patient, pure, and wholly obedient to your will. Grant, good Jesus, that we may live in you and for you. Protect us in the midst of danger. Comfort us in our afflictions. Give us health of body, assistance in our temporal needs, and your blessings on all that we do. In the grace of a holy death. Amen. Amen. One year after I graduated Catholic high school, I eloped to Las Vegas, Nevada, my husband was not Catholic, and at the time, I didn't really think that it really mattered which church we went to because we all loved God and we all loved Jesus, and that was the start of my journey out of the Catholic Church, where I remained out of the Catholic Church for over 30 years. When I um, started to read the Bible, I could see that our Catholic faith is steeped in Scripture. I could see some of the sacraments in Scripture. I could see some of the liturgy in Scripture. I learned that the Catholic Church was started by Jesus Christ, who gave the authority to Peter, and it has continued in succession down to the present day. And that was the start of my journey home to the Catholic Church. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. God might not always like to bless us with health, wealth, and prosperity, but one thing He seems to enjoy lavishing on us is opportunities for trust. He's always been that way with the people He loves. He brings us into impossible situations so He can show us that He is the Savior. He did that with Moses. 
I know an army's behind you, Moses. I know there's a sea in front of you. Just keep running toward it. I'm going to do something really cool. <laughs> Are you in an impossible situation right now? Is your marriage overwhelming? Finances on rocky ground? Boss being a jerk? Friends failing you? You know, when you're at the end of your rope, you're at the beginning of God's rope. Handle your problems with prayer. We have a God who acts when we ask. And when we turn to Him with trust, we'll find that the greatest blessing He gives us in our trials is a soul that walks through life with a peace that surpasses understanding. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Good morning and welcome back to this Sacred Heart Hour here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. As we enter into this, our second segment of the Sacred Heart Hour on this uh, Friday in the month of June, the month of the Sacred Heart, we invite you to join us here at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio as we renew our love for the Sacred Heart of Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Most kind Jesus, we humbly kneel at thy feet. We renew the consecration of ourselves to thy divine heart. Be thou our King forever. In thee we have full and entire confidence. May thy Holy Spirit penetrate our thoughts, our desires, our words, and our deeds. Bless our undertakings and share in our joys and in our trials and in our labors. Grant us to know thee better, to love thee more, and to serve thee without faltering. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Once again, this is the month of June, the month of the Sacred Heart. And as such, each of the Fridays during this month of the Sacred Heart, we are having this special segment of the Sacred Heart Hour. So today, uh, this is Father Stosh Daly, joined by Bill Messerly and Emily Jaminette, both of whom are uh, very, very busy laborers in the Vineyard of the Lord, especially in the area of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So, Bill and Emily, as we enter into this uh, second segment of this special Sacred Heart Hour, you know, we covered a lot of territory in the last segment. We didn't follow the outline at all. <laughs> oh, that was just a roadmap. And, we didn't and pay by attention. the way, I am so thankful that you didn't uh, misread the prayer that I had mistyped for you. <laughs> we bless our undertakes instead of undertaking. So, thank you. <laughs> I just kind of glanced over that, but. <laughs> No, after, yeah, when you say these different prayers, often in your own personal spiritual life, you're like, oh, that's just a typo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, thank you, goodness. You get used to that. You know? And the other thing, I one of the listeners is like, Father, I know that prayer, and the prayer I have is written in the singular, not the plural. It's like, well, we are praying together, so that's why I pluralized it. <laughs> so, like, you didn't even know I was listening. I was like, well, I was hoping. So, <laughs> No, this is good. It, it's good for us to be here. And thank you again to St. Gabriel Catholic Radio for having this special Sacred Heart Hour on this Friday. It's not the first Friday of the month, of course, but it does give us a chance to just um, delve deeper into God's love for us. And, um, you know, we've meditated upon the image of the heart itself uh, and also some of the fruits, not the least of which is peace, peace in the family home. And, um, you know, between the phone calls that come in to St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and the emails and phone calls and messages Emily, that you receive, um, it, it's amazing how people are, they know they need peace, but they don't always know the source of the peace that they, they need and they want. So there's that beautiful opportunity to give witness to the sacred heart of Jesus. Um, you know, and we each have our own um, heartbreak stories. You know, people have called in or emailed or contacted with that tone, maybe even of desperation. 
And I think that's one of the beautiful gifts um, that an hour like this uh, offers to people. It's there is peace available, and the one who gives the peace is the Lord, you know? Yeah, I just was going to say real quick, Father, that a lot of times people um, declare victory for the devil long before the story is over, right? And so as a result, of they, they start to despair on a level yeah. in which prevents them and paralyzes them. And when we look at the 12 promises, you know, the second promise is, I will establish peace in their homes. And it's not the peace that the world gives, which we know, but Jesus is very clear in the Gospels to explain, you know, this, this gospel, this heavenly peace. You know, I think about John fourteen twenty seven, peace is my farewell to you. My peace is my gift to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives peace. Do not be distressed or fearful. So even what's so powerful about this devotion, the, the devotion of the Sacred Heart that was really revealed in its um, real in a deeper level, in a more complete level from St. Margaret Mary Alico in the 1670s. And then, you know, these promises that, you know, these are just 12 promises, but there are many more promises, beautiful promises, yeah. even to the religious, to the congregations that practice, you know, out and live out this devotion. But the truth is, it's like a blueprint. It's like a roadmap for how to navigate society. And one of the things that I'm very passionate about is that Catholics have gone before us have have used this roadmap. This roadmap, like it's not just all of a sudden we're stumbling into this. We're discovering truths that have been lived out for generations. Yeah, and it's our true. trials might be challenging. Yes, we have information overload. We have you know, devices that never turn off, never stop buzzing. We have we have a lot of complexities. We have a society that gravitates towards the dysfunction, the chaos, sin. It's it's true, but yet each society has had difficult burdens. I, I couldn't imagine not, you know, being able to feed my children because there's no food available. Yeah. And yet the Sacred Heart is the source of all of our peace, all of our consolation, all all of our grace, all of our strength. So I just, I can't say enough about, you know, people take the step forward. If, if the Jaminettes yeah. can do this, if, you know, the Masterlies can do this, if, if you know, the 2,000 plus families, if, you know, the thousands and thousands and thousands of families, even this past year that have taken that step and at welcomeisheart.com, we, we have shipped out enthronement materials to almost every state and when we went back, we in this past year alone, and it wasn't like we're targeting to get this perfect map. It's like, wow, people are longing all across the United States, all across the world yeah. for, and it's usually peace, right? Exactly. Peace in, in whatever that, that trial yeah. is. But I think we also have to make sure that uh, in our own lives, in our own hearts, that peace is not the final goal. You know, because that's that's the thing that people are like, if I can just get the peace, then everything will be fine. It's like, you know, you hear that. It's like, if I could just win the lotto, everything will be fine. It's like, no, hon, it's going to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> you know? so, sorry, state governments, depending upon your money from the lotto, but you're wrong. You know, it's like, that's not going to take care of it. The Lord has to be the final goal, that union with him. The peace is a fruit that comes about from that union with the Lord. But don't let peace be an idol or a god or, you know, the demiurge that's, you know, kind of got you doing whatever you can do just to have that peace because that that is the peace of the world. But the peace that the Lord offers 
is a fruit of total union with Him. And, uh, and I think that's where in having peace as the Lord gives it, you realize the difference between pain and suffering. You also realize the difference between uh, something like just having a disagreement and having an open, all-out conflict. You know, you can live with someone and disagree, but that doesn't mean there has to be conflict. There can still be peace. But that's the presence of the Lord. And, uh, you know, and, and there's a, that's the great fruit. And th- those are the words of the Lord himself, you know, uh, to bring peace to the family, pr- peace to the home, uh, peace to the heart, and peace that's to the soul. That's interesting, Father, because what you're really, what I hear you saying is that the particular promise we're talking about, I'll establish peace in the home. It's really one of 12. Yeah. And that's why I think <clears throat> we can't yeah. just like, yep. um, you know, we're not a cafeteria Catholic where we pick and choose. Right. I think yeah. even with the 12 promises, yeah. it, they're, they're all together because yeah. if you bring up such a good point, if our ultimate goal is just peace, we're actually not going to seek Christ right? because he's very clear to tell yeah. us, you know, that, that he, that he comes to separate Right, the sheep and the wolves. He comes. He he's not just smooth yeah. and everything over with frosting. Well, you that's know, why our is, country is such a mess. Yes, we want peace without Jesus, mm. and that's the real problem. You know, mm. we want peace and justice without Jesus, and you can't. You just can't have them. I mean, he is the Prince of Peace, and you know what our country really has to do is once again take the posture of humility and kneel before the Lord, and bring all of who we are. All of who we are uh, before the Lord, and so in order to have that peace once again, and a society of peace, we really need to have the heart of Jesus reign over each one of us. So when we look at these twelve promises, you know, we we mentioned peace, grace, and state and light. I, I cannot help but think about the role of the Holy Eucharist uh, in yeah. relationship to living it out. You know, as we reflect, I like you know the first Friday of each month, the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Really, you know, every day is an opportunity to grow closer to the Lord. No, and I think, you know, if we could in our hearts and in our minds cultivate that, that connection, that vital connection between the sacred heart of Jesus and the Holy Eucharist, it'll uh, inflame us with a love to participate in the Holy Mass. And when I say participate, I don't mean just go to Mass or attend Mass, but actually participate, live in union with the heart the voice, the intentions, and the prayers of the priest. So it truly is the family of God, you know, drawn close to the Father in heaven through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then when you like, when you live the Holy Mass, and then you return home, and in your home, the Lord is enthroned there as King, brother, and friend, as Savior, Messiah, the Christ. His heart is exposed. You're basically, I mean, you're, you're going from the tabernacle where the Lord is reserved so that we may adore him, to then the home where he is exposed in his heart, you know, in that image of the heart of Jesus where you get to live him, you know, you get to live him in your love for one another and uh, to basically bask in the glory of the Lord day in and day out. It's a, it's really a beautiful, a beautiful connection that we all need to make and need to treasure. And, and I think it's, it's so beautiful because it's ultimately going to make us more, um, authentically Catholic. Yeah. Because it's one thing, right, Father, yeah. for you to see me and my family or every family, you know, in the pew participating. But it's another thing of what takes place in the home. Yeah. And, and the Lord is always present. It's not just that he's present in the tabernacle. He, he is with us. So a lot of times, you know, what I'm passionate about 
the devotion of the sacred heart is it reveals what we need to know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what he reveals is what's going on in our very own heart yeah. or the vice that, that we just turn to in the midst of our stress and anxiety. And he helps us, you know, release that grip that it has on us or that we have on that vice and, and be, be purified. So I, I see that the role of the Eucharist, um, plays in our spiritual food, but also that deepening of, of my, my faith because it's in my home that's, it's harder to live out. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, um, there's something very powerful. There's something very enticing, very attractive about miracles. You know, we, we just, we love miracles. And when you enter into, um, Eucharistic miracles, there's something, I mean, the Lord is just like constant and just giving us another reminder, making another statement. <laughs> Earlier in the segment, you, you made a mention about how when he, uh, appeared to St. Margaret Mary in the 1670s. He kind of uh, brought a new, all-encompassing vision to the Sacred Heart devotion, even going so far as to like the way he offers his heart to humanity and then the promises and the depiction, which now is still with us. I mean, when you look at the image of the Sacred Heart, that basically is traced back to the conversation, the apparition, the heartfelt exchange between our Lord and St. Margaret Mary. But it's almost like you can hear the Lord sighing. He's like, oh, fine, I'll come again and do this. You know, it's like, why don't you guys just get it? <laughs> but when you when you look at every Eucharistic miracle, it's kind of like the Lord's like, oh, okay, here we go at again. You know, I'll captivate your attention for a good 75, maybe 200 years, and then I'm going to have to come back. <laughs> but he knows our humanity so well. He knows our humanity so well. He knows... Um, that we need that physical, visible, intelligible reminder that the living God is still with us, among us. And for those of us who pick up on that, um, we treasure the reality. But, you know, when you look at the Eucharistic miracles, truth be told, every Mass is a Eucharistic miracle. Every Mass. The Lord becomes present in the bread and in the wine, body, blood, soul, and divinity. If someone says, I am a Catholic, that means they believe Jesus Christ is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, in the Holy Eucharist, the bread of life, the bread of the angels, the blessed sacrament. And we receive our Lord in a state of grace. And when we make that um, reception of the Lord, we're making a public statement, we believe in everything the Lord is. We believe in everything, all of who he is. We follow his teachings with our deepest heart. That's why when someone receives our Lord, if they have a public statement that is against his teaching, there's a contradiction there, a a painful, stark contradiction. And they're lying to themselves, and they're lying to the whole world, and they're betraying the Lord. But every Mass, there's a Eucharistic miracle. But in certain places, over the course of time, the Lord has allowed that Eucharistic miracle that takes place on the interior of the Eucharist to become exposed in the exterior. And uh, we have one of those Eucharistic miracles that took place not that long ago in the mid-90s um, in Buenos Aires, Argentina. And I think, you know, um, and I'm going to ask you to kind of run through the details of this Eucharistic miracle, but I just invite our listeners to listen and to admit the details that reveal a powerful truth that connects the Eucharist to the heart, the heart of Jesus, the very heart that we're inviting you to bring into your home, the very heart that we're inviting you to consider bringing into your life, the heart that will bring peace and grace and love and mercy 
So we go to August of 1996 in Buenos Aires, Argentina. A host was found in the back of the church. The custom is to place such a host in water and place it in the tabernacle for it to dissolve. This is what the priest did. A week later, he saw the host in the water and had grown and become a bloody substance. Then three years later, since the bloody substance had not deteriorated, they had it tested by a world-renowned forensic scientist. He didn't know where it came from. The doctor found that it was real flesh with human DNA and found that it was from the left ventricle of the heart. The scientist says that based on the white blood cells in the heart, and the sample was alive when it was taken out and that it undergone severe torture. Remember, he didn't know that this was a host. By the way, the white blood cells ceased in the minute after death. They then sent the sample to Italy, the site of the Eucharistic miracle of the 1200s, to compare it, Lanciano, to the two tissues. Again, they didn't share any information with the scientists. The lab reports found that they were from the same heart. When we receive the Eucharist, we are receiving the living, beating heart of Jesus. So you can look up, um, easily look up online, the Eucharistic miracle of Lanciano in Italy, which goes back to the 1200s. You can look up the Eucharistic miracle that is right now in Orvieto, which is also from that same time period. Or you can look up the Eucharistic miracle from Buenos Aires, Argentina, uh, and it's interesting how God works. The Archbishop of Buenos Aires at the time was uh, Archbishop uh, Cardinal Jorge Bergoglio, who is today Pope Francis. Um, but the Eucharistic miracle in Buenos Aires uh, is a powerful reminder that the Eucharistic mystery, the Eucharistic reality, that we are given an opportunity to live and to pray and to receive at every Holy Mass is the heart of the beloved Savior, our beloved Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you could just remember that, you know, when you see the heart of Jesus in your home, hanging on the wall or maybe a statue on the table, and when you go to the Holy Mass and you genuflect, or if you can't genuflect, you bow to the Lord in the tabernacle, and then you pray the Holy Mass, and then you go forward and receive our Lord in Holy Communion, and then you go back to your uh, pew, and then you eventually go back home to just remember that the Eucharistic species you receive, that is the heart of Jesus. It's not a sign or, in the modern term of definition, merely a symbol, but it is the reality itself of Jesus' most sacred heart. So when we encourage people to have a devotion, to have an attachment to, to have a dependency upon the heart of Jesus, we're asking them to have that all of that for the Blessed Sacrament, the Holy Eucharist the Eucharistic heart. And, you know, in the last segment, we highlighted the connection between Corpus Christi and the Feast of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. And that that really kind of brings it all home. When you treasure the gift of the Holy Eucharist, the Lord then wants you to treasure the gift of his whole person. And it's interesting when you say bring it all home because it really brings the ninth or the twelfth promise, which is you know going to mass for nine consecutive first Fridays. And um, I think you know a lot of times I'll get emails about people saying, "Oh, now I I can't finish it," or or this is what happened. Like, like I'm the um, the 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 (laughs) scorecard. Like (laughs) I got enough going on. I got seven kids. (laughs) Like I can't keep track of your nine. You're out on a technicality. Sorry, but I I usually (laughs) quote Father Stosh daily. I said, you know, part of it is. This is a lifestyle. This yeah, is this is growing closer to the heart of Jesus. And yes, we want to live out the nine 
first um, Fridays, but the hope is, is that you never stop living. Right. If your only goal is a check mark in your calendar or in your spiritual life, like that's where we need to revisit what, what are we talking about? And, you know, Father, there's a recent issue, and I just wanted to ask you to highlight this or touch on this before we close. Uh, You know, as you mentioned, a number of Catholics don't believe in the true presence. So I think as parents, grandparents, lay people, priests, religious, we have a responsibility to proclaim the true presence to to others, even um, to, you know, when people come to Mass with us, other children, I remind them, oh, you know, well, why did the Jaminets go to Mass on Sunday? Well, because of Jesus is fully present in the blessed, you know, we yeah. speak in that Absolutely. language, remind Absolutely. other people yeah. the true presence. Yeah. And, um, you know, but Father, a number of times we have encountered where maybe, you know, comment on if somebody does not receive, if you as a lay person, you see that moment, Yeah. what, what advice do you have? Because um, a number of times we have intercede as actually my children yeah. have gone up to someone and said, um, I see that you still have the host. Could you please consume oh, that? Or so could, okay. I'm saying, I could you comment on this? They take un- the host, but don't consume yes. or receive. I see. Could you just give That's a, very good uh, point. A, yeah. a quick sure. instruction? Because we're talking about the Eucharist, the yes, heart of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. What should we do as faithful Catholics? Absolutely. Well, with great love, with incredible love and sincerity of heart, you just merely approach the person and ask him. It's like, you know, um, that is that is the bread of the angels, that's the bread of heaven, it's meant to be consumed right away. So, you know, in the hunger of your heart, hurry up and consume the Lord, receive the Lord. And if you can't, or if you won't, then please take the Lord back to the priest immediately. Um, and if the priest is not available, take our Lord back to that extra minister of Holy Communion right there, even if even if communion is still going on. Because remember, our personal emotions, our personal sentiments, our personal preferences don't matter at that point. The Blessed Sacrament, the infant child Jesus from Bethlehem, our beloved Savior hanging on the cross is in that person's hand, and he is not meant to just be left there. He is not meant to be disrespected, sacrilege, scourged again, ignored. You know, his whimper is not meant to be ignored. He's meant to be experienced, received, and consumed. And I, I always challenge myself as a priest of Jesus, but also as a Catholic man, I always challenge myself um, with incredible love and patience, but also with zeal for the house of the Lord and total devotion to Jesus truly present in the Eucharist. Um, my concern is not at that moment the emotions or feelings of the person who might be lost or confused, but my concern is to help them realize they're holding the living God in their hand. Mm-hmm. And if they are not yet ready, for whatever reason, to receive, then the Lord has to be given back to those who will treasure the presence and to make sure that his presence is respected. And I think that that right there reveals that in our world, we are more concerned about the subjective than we are about the objective. Jesus is present, and his presence must be adored and lived and treasured. And with no disrespect or harm intended to the person who might very well just be confused or lost or, you know, just not really sure what to do, there's no disrespect intended to that person. So that's why I approach them with love, patience, and And I really appreciated, you know, when um, Bishop Brennan released that statement on Corpus Christi about the affirming the true presence of of the Jesus fully present in the, the Eucharist. And I think as families, I think as individuals, we cannot... 
um, learn enough, love enough the the blessed sacrament. And, um, you know, one of the simple things too, is if you're uncomfortable, right. Always go to the usher yeah. because the usher has a very important role in that mass yeah. and don't just ignore something yeah. and, and just, you know, and, and that's something which as a lady, we all work together because yep. father, you're, you're busy, yeah. uh, you know, handing out <laughs> the blessed sacrament Indeed. and in some of the churches, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's, if that takes place, you so. made a very good. You, you you highlighted the need to know the language we speak and to use the correct language. And I, you know, people come up to me all the time and say, "Father, when were they when are they going to bring the wine back?" And it's <laughs> like, "Hun, we haven't served wine in two thousand years." Okay, so it's either the blood or it isn't. And we Catholics have never served wine, so it's the precious blood. And by the mere fact that you call it wine means that there's a disconnect between the reality of he who is there and our understanding of who is before us. And it's like, well, you know what I mean. And it's like, no, actually, I don't dare presume to know what anyone means anymore. By your words, you reveal what you carry in your heart. So while we can say, you know, the sacred host refers to the Eucharist, you know, the Holy Eucharist, the Blessed Sacrament, we never refer to the precious blood as wine. We never refer to that. And a lot of people just kind of say, but you know what I mean? It's like, no, you don't understand. We're in 2021. Even in the language we use, we can give witness to the reality that Jesus Christ is truly present. And it's the precious blood. But that idea of the Lord coming to us in Holy Communion. I mean, just look at what we call it as Catholics. Holy Communion. An opportunity to have communion with the Lord. Holy, the Holy One, the Divine One. And I mean, I was just talking with someone the other day. Uh, she mentioned how beautiful First Holy Communion is. You see the innocence, the hunger of a child receiving our Lord for the first time. And she said, she goes, I don't know what it is. It's, there's something about the boys in particular. And I was like, yeah, because we all know what little boys are like. And when you see them in that state of innocence and eagerness, but also nervousness and anxiety, it speaks to all of us. Mm-hmm. You know? And I always tell, especially you know, bridal parties at a wedding rehearsal, if you're nervous, that just means you're about to do something important. And when we Catholics go to forward to receive Holy Communion, there's nothing wrong with being a little nervous because you're about to do something very important. But if there's no nervousness, no anxiety, no eagerness, no zeal, do you know who you're about to receive? And, you know, as Catholics, we, in our language and in our day-to-day living, can affirm this teaching with our whole being. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's it's how we hold reverence to the sacred Mass, how we approach going to the Mass, you know, and, and even expressing that to our children, to other children, and then how we set up our home. And, yeah. you know, one of the things that means so much to me is this devotion because it's always an opportunity yeah. to reset the home. So Absolutely. whatever that trial is, that turbulation, we can reset. <laughs> so as we bring to a close this second segment of this Sacred Heart Hour here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, we thank you for joining us in this special um, Sacred Heart Hour. Keep in mind, normally this is off, this is uh, a program for the first Friday of the month, but we are doing this on every Friday in the month of June because the whole month of June is dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So please acknowledge the fountain of uh, everlasting life and go to that fountain so as to have the life the Lord offers. We bring to a close this hour by commending ourselves to the mercy of God and the sacred heart of Jesus. Most holy heart of Jesus, fountain of every blessing, I love you, I adore you, and I offer you this poor heart of mine. Make me humble, patient, pure, and wholly obedient to your will. 
Grant, good Jesus, that I may live in you and for you. Protect me in the midst of danger. Comfort me in my afflictions. Give me health of body, assistance in my temporal needs, and your blessings on all that I do, and the grace of a holy death. Amen. Amen.